Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of heeding the sovereign call of God. Whenever God wants to do a work, He is the one who chooses and calls the individual, enables them, and anoints that person. The call has nothing to do with the talent or ability of the person. It's God. God does what He does sovereignly, ladies and gentlemen. And God help us that we would taint the work and the glory of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Throughout the Bible, we find God's will carried out by both eager servants and hesitant saints. For example, when Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? He was quick to reply, Here I am, send me. Contrast that with the excuses Moses gave when asked to go before Pharaoh. What if they do not believe me or listen to me? And so it was for the Israelite army general Barak, who didn't have quite the courage and conviction if it wasn't for the prophetess Deborah, who offered him the encouragement to fulfill God's command to engage the enemy Canaanites. Pastor Xavier draws out for us some simple truths of heeding the call to leadership as our study series of the book of Judges continues. The Bible is interesting in that it is very clear about the role of the woman as God intended for her to play out from Genesis to Revelation. The woman is to be careful, protected, and loved so that she is secure, so that she has her place in the home with her family. And yet there have been times in history when God has used women in an extraordinary way that is out of the ordinary that we see in Scripture. But it is a rare exception, as we'll see. Often it's due to the decay of male leadership and the debauched leadership of a nation, or even within the church. Deborah is one of these interesting ladies chosen by God to deliver the people of God to bring glory to God himself. And it's described for us here in a threefold movement. Let me read. Then um, when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who uh, dwelt in uh, Hersheth, uh, Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipitoth, was judging Israel at that time, and she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinuam from Kadesh of Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots, and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. That says it all. 
And so she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh and went out, 10,000 men under his command. And Deborah went up with him. Now, Eber, the Kenite, of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, has separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the Terebinth tree in Zeanam, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Herashath-Hegoim to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, and 10,000 men followed him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all the chariots and all the army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and his army as far as Hirosheth, Hitgoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Eber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Eber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me and do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. And then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him the drink, and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there a man here? You will say, No. Then jail. Eber's wife took a tent peg and took a hammer on her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with the pagan in his temple. And so that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. What a story, but a true story. <laughs> God chose this one woman to be the deliverer of his people, for his own glory, and is described to us in three movements. First, you have the condition of the time when Deborah judged, verse 1 through 5. Secondly, you have the commission to Barak by Deborah, the prophetess, in 6 through 10. And thirdly, the liberation of Israel by Deborah, the deliverer, verse 11 through 24. The condition of the time when Deborah judged comes first. Deborah judged at the time of spiritual decay. It was when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Once again, Ehud, that left-handed Benjamite that uh, 
killed that king and he lost his knife inside. He was so fat. This was the fruit and effect of the rest of the peace and enjoyment they had. They corrupted themselves again. They were set free and they start corrupting themselves. They let their guard down. The principle, evil, though not expressed as we go through the book of Judges, not expressed here, is the nation was idolatrous, worshiping the gods of the land with all the sins that come along with it, indulging themselves in a time of peace, not guarding themselves, not obeying the Lord, but being sucked into the culture of the day. We see this today, not only from the populace of America, but within the church also. Syncretism, bringing things from the world and putting them under the umbrella of Christianity. Saying, oh, it's okay. So now churches are teaching that Christians can drink and it's okay and you don't have to go to church all the time. You are the church, this and that. And all kinds of weird stuff going on. Syncretism, compromise, idolatry, forsaking the Lord in apostasy. The command that we read and the common phrase in the book was in those days there was no king on the throne of Israel and every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes in chapter 17, 18, 19, and 21. Notice verse 2 and 3. Deborah was under the bondage of the enemy due to God's judgment. A godly woman, but she is subject to it. This was God's doing according to his covenant. He's a covenant God. It says, so the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The covenant God, Yahweh, gave them over in discipline, in judgment to king of Canaan. King Jabin had a, a commander over his army, Sisera. The children of Israel were under his oppression. Verse 3. 20 years, he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Once again, that oppression and bondage in the book of Judges. The tyrannical power was intimidating. 900 chariots. In verse 4 and 5, Deborah was the hope of Israel. She was a prophetess. The wife of Lipidoth was judging Israel at that time. The seer of Israel... Samuel's called the seer, meaning they can look into the future, not of their own ability, but God revealed things to them. But the primary function of a prophet or prophetess was to be the mouthpiece of God, not to reveal future things. That was a secondary function, okay? They were to call back the people of God to God through repentance. This is the first instance, by the way, of female government on record in the Bible. And it doesn't appear again, <laughs> Nevertheless, she is a woman to be dealt with, as we'll see, because God had anointed her and called her. Notice she was a judge of Israel in verse 4. There were 13 judges, as you know, 12 men, one woman, approximately about 300 years. And here she is. She's a woman of faith. She's the fourth judge. And um, it was the third apostasy. And there was a repeated cycle that just kept going as we've seen of Israel's character of backsliding and going back in the world, apostasy, bondage, a cry out, brief obedience, apostasy, back to bondage. Verse 5, she would judge the people under a palm tree. The children of Israel would come and she would make judgment for them. The palm tree of Deborah, a symbol of peace and rest. It's one of the symbols for the millennial kingdom, the rest under fig tree and palm tree. She advised and counseled them the matters of their lives, difficulties through the Spirit of God. She heard cases between contending parties and gave righteous judgment. 
She exercised both civil and religious authority for the purpose of turning people from their sin to repentance to do the will of God. The position of a woman in the church is clear in Scripture, and yet there is much confusion. Women can pray in the church, 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen says. Women can prophesy, 1 Corinthians eleven five. Women can do anything in the church, be deacons, teach uh, women, teach children, anything except be a pastor teacher. Now, the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, are the only three epistles we have on church order, how to run it. Read them very carefully. Now, many people culturalize this and they justify it that it was cultural and Paul was a chauvinist pig. No, no, no. Let me clear it up for you, okay? Listen to 1 Timothy 2, 12 through 14. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first and Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, the prohibition is based on two scriptural and historical reasons, not cultural as people teach today from the pulpit. The first is that Adam was created first. He is the head of the human race and the head of the woman. Not as a tyrant, not as some idiot, but as a loving type of Christ to protect, provide for his bride. The second reason is the fact that Eve was deceived. Women are more prone to deception and easier to be deceived because of the emotional highs and lows. This does not mean a man does not become deceived or cannot be deceived, but women have a greater tendency. And if you're a woman's live and you are fuming right now, though you are fuming outwardly, inwardly, you know that you are ruled by your emotions more than men. Or why do you think God attributes the fault to Adam because he was the head of the human race. The fault is attributed to the man. All right? For every woman pastor teacher in the pulpit around the world, there's a cowardly man that has not answered the call. It's a worse commentary on the man than the woman. Are we clear on that? The authority is not the pastor, the word of God. So many people are busy being deceived and destroying today by false teaching from the pulpits of America. Listen to Hosea 4, 6 through 9, nothing new. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sin against me, I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their hearts on their iniquity and it shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. Amazing. This was the condition of the times when Deborah judged. It was apostasy from God. Notice secondly in verse 6 through 10, the commission to Barak by Deborah, the prophetess. In verse 6 and 7, the courageous call of Deborah was sent to the man God had chosen 
for the battle. She sent a call for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. Notice the man's name, Barak. Sound familiar? <laughs> the name means lightning flash. This, without doubt, refers to his speed and effectiveness in war. Notice Deborah called to remind Barak to obey the call of God to battle. This was not news. The call was a mild rebuke, for he was fully aware of God's revelation to him. Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded the revelation to Barak was direct orders from heaven, an imperative command from the captain of the hosts of heaven. He had not obeyed up to this point. Procrastination. The plans had been given to him also by God. God lays it all out. He was to go and deploy or march truce at Mount Tabor, west of the Sea of Galilee, to the plain of Jezreel. He was ordered to take 10,000 men from Naphtali and Zebulun. Notice God is very specific. If we follow what he says in the word of God, then things will work out. It's when I think that God needs a little help from me or where I correct God. Well, you know, Lord, I think this would be work a little better. I don't need 10. I just need five. Really? Hmm. In verse 7, Deborah revealed to Barak, and God was in control over the battle to give victory. Again, none of this is new to him. He knew this. God declared against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army. I'm going to do it. Now, we know that as God is doing it, he's not violating the free will of this person. God works it out with, with a person's own free will. God named the location, the river Kishon, this is where Elijah, remember, slew the prophets of Baal. Now, God revealed the triumph. I will deliver them into your hand. So he gives everything out. This is what I'm going to do. This, and I'm gonna, and it's, he's told that he's going to win from the beginning. How easy can it be? Look at 8 through 10. The cowardly response of Barak was voiced to Deborah. Deborah heard Barak's condition for obedience. Barak said, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Wow. Alpha male. <laughs> Barak revealed two things by his words. His eyes were not on the Lord, but on Deborah. He was being disobedient to go without Deborah. God didn't want Deborah to go. Not God allowed it, but that wasn't the call. I think it's a mistake to justify Barak, as many do in their commentary, saying that uh, his understanding that Deborah's influence over the army was important and that she was really agreeing with him here. No, I don't think so. Deborah declared Barak's shame and dishonor. It's very clear. How can you make that kind of commentary? She would go as he requested. Her love for God and the nation was greater than her disappointment of the lack of courage in this male leader. Notice she revealed there would be no glory to him. Here's the rebuke. 
due to the fact that God would give Sisera to the hands of a woman. This is a prophecy. Short term, Deborah. Long term, jail when we get to the end. God would give it over to a woman. Again, some commentators tried to tone this down by saying that she was not rebuking him, rather agreeing with him in partnership and battle. And also people then, but listen to the words, there will be no glory for you. A clear rebuke. That a woman was ruling over men is a dead giveaway to the spiritual condition of the nation and the men. And yet we do have Miriam, that was a prophetess, the sister of Moses in Exodus um, 15, 20. Uh, But she was not in leadership capacity ever. We have the prophetess Huldah in 2 Kings 22, 14 and 2 Chronicles 34, 22. During the reign of Josiah, who was bringing about a reform, but it was superficial. There wasn't real revival. And it demonstrates, again, the decay condition of the men during that time. So whenever women have been, and there's only been a few, it's a time when men are a bunch of wimps, spiritually, okay? So it's a greater charge against the men. Whenever God wants to do a work, he is the one who chooses and calls the individual, enables them, and anoints that person. The call can be responded to or ignored, by the way. God doesn't force you to accept the call. The call has nothing to do with the talent or ability of the person. It's God. The call to work is to be in full dependency and obedience to God as to how he will do the work. Acts 13, 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit says, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. I did not call myself into ministry. I did not call myself to start a Bible study with three people in Alhambra in 1980. I did not choose to come to Pasadena. God directed and guided us here. I have not done what has gone in this ministry God does what he does sovereignly, ladies and gentlemen. And God help us that we would taint the work and the glory of God because we think of a man more highly than what God has done. God help us. At times, a person called does not trust God alone. But he's looking to others to come alongside him when God didn't intend that. So they taint the glory of God. Abraham was called out, not Lot. Lot became a problem. We've already seen in chapter 1, Judah went, Lord, who should go up for us to take the land? Judah. Judah says, hey, Simeon, you want to go? Listen, if you ask God, should you go? And he says, yes, you go. Don't ask somebody else to go. Why ask God? Paul took Mark. He became a problem. All of these compromises where we don't obey to go and do what God has called us to do alone, we will hear, nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey that you are taking. No reward. Nothing. This was the commission to Barak by Deborah, the prophetess. It was to not disobey the call of God. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with the prophetess Deborah the simple truths of placing our trust in the sovereign hand of God. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, we've had to break for today only partway through this message, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up a copy of this study. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Deborah the Faithful Warrior. It's available on CD for just $4. That title once again is, Deborah the Faithful Warrior. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com